Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Jordana Levine, and you're listening to the Inspired Table Podcast. Each week, you'll be led down an inspired path of curiosity as I chat to some of my favorite soul-centered folk about the things that inspire me daily in the hope that some of that juicy inspiration will rub off on you. So pour yourself your favorite cuppa and take a seat at my table. I promise you'll leave happier, healthier, and bursting with inspiration. Like many women, I have had a love-hate relationship with my period. When I was younger, I hated it and wished it would go away. And then, when it disappeared for almost two years, I would have given anything to get it back. Today, while I still dread its arrival, but I'm thankful for the role it plays in my reproductive health. But with my mild obsession with the lunar cycle and my fascination with the even more expansive cyclical nature of the entire universe, it seems like a natural progression that the most common and least talked about cycle gets some of my attention to. When I asked people who I should chat to on the podcast about periods, everyone pointed me to Claire Baker. Claire is a women's coach who focuses on helping women feel good. And a big part of that, a healthy menstrual cycle. And not just making sure it arrives every month, but actually adoring your cycle. Claire's approach has actually gotten me excited about getting my next period. Crazy, I know. And even if you're thinking, yeah, not the episode for me, give it a listen. I think you'd be surprised at how convincing this conversation is. Enjoy. I've been living in London for almost 12 months. It'll be my one-year London anniversary in a couple of weeks. And I uh, moved here from Perth, which where I'd been living for about three years. And prior to that, I grew up on the east coast of Australia and I'd been living in Melbourne for a really long time. So I've, I've moved around quite a bit over the past uh, 10 or 12 years, I guess you could say. And I think that's just gypsy blood somewhere along the line but I really love London and I actually really love to stay here it's been really welcoming and really kind to me which I feel really grateful for because I know that not everybody has that experience yeah and so yeah it's been <laughs> really wonderful oh that's good and I feel so grateful to have been able to brought my business over with me you know what, what drew you to London it's somewhere that I've always wanted to live and I'm not sure if it was ever London itself, herself, or more just Europe yeah. slash the UK. Like the Northern Hemisphere has just always appealed to me. And I've travelled a lot 
um, in both the States and, and in Europe over, I guess, throughout my 20s. And every time I'd visit, I just have this pull, this feeling that I just wanted to live here and actually spend some time. And then I came back over again at the end of 2015 to visit some friends. And I just thought, like, you know what? If I don't do it now, I'm not going to do it. And yeah, it was, that's I'm fantastic. Home, packed things up and within six months was living here. So you said that you you work for yourself. So what what is it exactly that you do? So I work as a women's coach, meaning I basically work with women and I work with women who are really interested and passionate about feeling good because they want to do good work in the world, essentially. So I work with creative women who want to take better care of themselves, look after their cycle, look after their, their wellness, look after their physical health their spiritual health, creativity, mental health, everything, emotion, so that they can really do what they're here to do. So it's not just health for the sake of being healthy. It's really about having the energy and the resources to really create things and to make things and and to follow, you know, whatever their version of creativity looks like for them. Yeah, that's beautiful because I feel like somewhere along the line, health got misconstrued to just be about our body image and our weight Mm. and all of the other factors that come into that full spectrum of health kind of got overshadowed so it's Mm -hmm. really lovely especially for women that you are bringing that back into focus for them it's it's really been my own personal journey you know because it started off for me for many years was very much focused on the body and weight and counting calories and all of those quantifiable factors of health which I, I felt like I needed these rigid rules and measurable um, guidelines as to how healthy I was in mm. inverted commas and and then you know just naturally as, as things moved along the line for me um, I've come to realize that no I mean to me health and wellness and feeling really radiant in my own skin is much more about what I can give to other people to the world rather than what I look like. Now, I spoke to a few people because I wanted to do a podcast episode on the menstrual cycle and Mm -hmm. everybody pointed me in your direction. So I know that <laughs> I know that it's a big focus of the work that you do. What kind of triggered your um, obsession or passion for the menstrual cycle? I've been on the contraceptive pill for 10 years and I started taking it at 16 and at 26 as I was in that, you know, really in that, I guess, pivotal point of that journey I just described, you know, after years of thrashing my body in the gym and feeling really disconnected from myself, obsessing over food and calories, I decided to come off the contraceptive pill as I was practicing more yoga and eating more organic foods and just really taking more time out for myself, suddenly taking this synthetic hormone every day just started to feel strange to me. I'm like, oh, this doesn't really feel like it's aligned with the kind of health that I'm trying to cultivate for myself. So I, I stopped taking it and nothing happened. For 12 months, I didn't, I didn't bleed. I didn't have a cycle at all. And so that's um, described as post-pill amenorrhea. I went to see my GP, I saw Chinese medicine practitioners, I was seeing naturopaths, I saw so many people and basically the message was, you know, it's just a matter of time and having patience, exactly, Uh, exactly. And so I did, you know, I waited and I was very patient but it was, of course, also quite frustrating and even scary actually throughout that year as I started to contemplate perhaps, you know, what I had 
done to my body after taking this pill for so long. So during that time, I began to research everything I could on the menstrual cycle just to understand what I needed to give my body, what resources I needed to give it to be able to just do what it naturally should be able to do. Mm. And so I began to learn so much, you know, things that I'd never known because when you're taking the contraceptive pill, you're not actually experiencing a natural cycle. So I hadn't ovulated since I was 15 years old. And so there were all this whole new world of of the cycle that I was learning about. And um, I went, you know, right from the biological stuff, right up to the real psycho-spiritual aspect of it and the connection with the moon and the emotions and everything. So I was just so excited for it to finally return. And so I could start charting it and tracking it and understanding it. So when it did return, I just went, I just went deep into it. I would just, I've been tracking it like a mad woman, I, I guess, really for, you know, that was the beginning of 2013. So for four and a half years now, it's just been such a huge teacher for me. And it really has been, a, you know, the missing key in this big puzzle of wellness that I've been piecing together for a few years. Learning to understand my cycle and how my energies change day to day became so illuminatory. I just couldn't believe how much it was teaching me and showing me about who I was. So naturally, it then began to extend into the work I was doing with women because I can't talk to women about their health without looking at the menstrual cycle. You know, Mm. it was just glaringly obvious that, of course, this is going to impact how we feel emotionally. It's going to impact the kinds of foods that we need to be eating at different times for hormone health. It's going to be affecting how we create. It's going to be affecting our sexual energy, everything. And so it began to feed into the coaching I was doing. I then formed a series of workshops around it, um, followed up by an ebook, And now I have um, online courses. And most recently, I've submitted a book proposal to a, a publisher. So it's just really become a huge yeah, huge focus of my work because it just speaks to everything else that I'm so passionate about when it comes to women's health. I mean, it's so funny, isn't it? Because somewhere along the line, we kind of lost our love and our admiration for the menstrual cycle. I mean, it's such an integral part of being a woman. It's such an integral part of our monthly, not only our monthly cycle, but the way that we react with other people during the month, the way that we feel during the month, the way that we're sleeping, the way that we're showing up. And it's something, I guess, that over time we've kind of hidden behind. What, where do you think it kind of shifted? Because it, there was a time when we used to celebrate it and now we kind of hide it. So what, what kind of went wrong? Yeah, it's a really interesting question and I'm sure I could probably sit here for a really long time and and look at it. I mean, there's <laughs> some pretty loaded words that come to my mind when I think mm. about answering this question and I think religion has um, a, a role to play in answering this. I think that our patriarchal society has a role in answering that question. Also, you know, a capitalist society doesn't really have room for the cyclical nature of women and for the way that we change, right? I mean, we're not linear, and so it's harder to predict. Um, it's harder to to quantify. You know, all of the the structures that we have in place in our society today, in our modern society, don't really leave a great deal of room for that. You know, if we're talking mm. about creating results and success and getting from A to B and blah, 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 moving forward. While, I, you know, by all means, the menstrual cycle can be incredibly productive and useful and really it's a gift when we understand how to actually use it. But 
it doesn't just fit neatly into this really lovely linear model that we've been we've been brought up in do you think also i mean many young girls especially um can have really kind of traumatic menstrual experiences. So, you Mm -hmm. know, they experience really bad period pain and they have like really bad mood swings and sort of these very overemphasized symptoms. And so I guess as we're sort of coming into that and coming into womanhood, we don't know how to deal with any of that. And so because the society's sort of not set up for it, Mm -hmm. we, we hide it. And then I guess when you kind of get to the stage where it's probably okay to kind of take ownership of it, you're just not used to doing that. Yeah, I really love that idea you know, that we've missed a lot of wisdom, um, particularly in the last you know 100 years, I would say, as we've moved into, you know, from the Industrial Revolution right up until the, the, you know, the birth of technology and the lives that we live now. It's just so different. Mm. There is a lot of deep traditional wisdom across all areas of our lives that we've we've lost and absolutely the wisdom of the menstrual cycle is one of them and when we're not learning about our bodies from our mothers and grandmothers like we perhaps used to then absolutely I mean knowledge is power right and Mm. so yeah that creates a deep shame uh, a very deep-seated shame when we don't understand what's happening and as you say a lot of women do experience a negative um, you know, have a negative relationship with their cycle. And so, so much of the work that I try to do is to just really spark conversation. It's not me necessarily always about teaching and showing, it's just about encouraging conversation so that we can connect with each other on this experience because, you know, half the world bleeds, you know, it's not, it's not that obscure. It's quite common. <laughs> it's very common. <laughs> so what I mean what does a healthy menstrual cycle look and what does it feel like like uh, I think that a lot of women aren't really sure yeah sure so I talk about the cycle in terms of seasons for me that's a really easy way to understand how it how it looks and feels and everybody is really really different and so we all have a unique relationship with our cycle and our cycles also change month to month they're a real um, you know, communicative tool that our body uses to let us know how you know how things are going. So we start our cycle when we're bleeding, and that's from day one is the very first day of having your period, and that is what I describe as being the winter. So this is when we're you know going within, withdrawing. I really encourage women to take time out for themselves when they're bleeding, whatever that looks like for them. So for example, I'm on day two today. And so as I said to you earlier, Jordana, I'm doing this interview from bed because that just to me <laughs> love feels it. like a really <laughs> nurturing way to do to work today is yeah. to just to be in bed and I took all of yesterday off work and I'm not I'm not always able to do that but when I can I, I take the opportunity and I just really rest and take some time out for myself so it's a yin time it's a it's a quiet and restful time as much as you possibly can I mean hormones are rock bottom right so pushing yourself at the gym or pushing yourself at work or around the house it just doesn't support a healthy hormonal system Mm. then as estrogen increases and we move up towards ovulation this is what I call a spring and there's that really lovely feeling of you know leaving the period cave and you've got this you know new burst of energy and we feel that hormonal you know, rise. Everybody knows that feeling of like coming back out into the world and our skin plumps up and we're feeling really beautiful and quite light in our bodies. And as we move right up to ovulation, which is then what I call the summer, it's really the peak. And it's when we're 
really great with people. Our libido is probably quite high. We're very fertile. Um, this is where a time of the cycle where I plan more work. So I, I certainly do much more work in this period. I'm also more sociable. I'm more extroverted in my summer. And we get this really lovely bump of testosterone as well. So we feel quite strong and resilient physically and also emotionally. Then as we move from summer, we might feel a real drop. And this is as we move into our autumn. So it's like the season, autumn, you know, leaves are falling from the tree and our body's preparing for menstruation again. So this premenstrual week isn't always everybody's favorite week of the month <laughs> because we get this really, you know, we get this high burst of progesterone which is there to support a pregnancy. But if we don't actually conceive, as estrogen drops, you know, progesterone is quite high. We can feel really emotional as there's this kind of hormonal dance between those two. Then as they both decline towards the end of the month, we can feel really tired and quite low in energy. But interestingly, this is actually a really creative time of the month. And our right brain hemisphere is really speaking to the left. There's a really high engagement there. And subconsciously, we actually have a great deal of intuitive um, access to our intuitive guidance system. So it's, it can be a really wonderful time if we know how to sink into that yin energy as we then move back down again to winter, back down to bleeding. So it feels very, you know, it feels very different when you think about it like that. It, our cycle isn't just about that one week when we're bleeding by any means. You know, there is so much changing day to day. So it really does feel like a rise and a fall. And if you know, if you are experiencing premenstrual symptoms, I really believe that it's your body you know, communicating certain things to you. I know, for example, if I'm feeling particularly PMSy, um, I've most likely had you know one of a few things: not enough sleep over the past month, too much stress is a really big one for me, mm. and um, and too much sugar. You know, those three things generally for me really speak to premenstrual symptoms and um, I just know there's certain things to avoid at different times of the month like coffee and alcohol I know when I'm premenstrual just I don't metabolize well whereas you know in my spring I don't need as much sleep and so as we start to track these things about our, our unique cycle then we can we can work with it every single day so that we know what is best for us and how to take the best care of ourselves according to what day of our cycle we're on by just literally listening to the messages that our body is sending us. I love it. I love it because I talk so much about the necessariness of tapping into that ebb and flow of the universal ecosystem. Like you see it everywhere. You see it in the seasons, like you said. You see it in the rising and the setting of the sun every day. You see it in the lunar phases and you see it the best in our menstrual cycle and by following it, like you said, it allows us to surrender to that natural rhythm and take advantage of those moments that promote growth and expansion, as well as those moments that kind of encourage inner reflection and surrender. And what I love about linking it to the menstrual cycle, like you've done, is it gives you that opportunity every single month to have a go at that and really lean into it. So mm. how, how did you kind of get to the point where you were so familiar with the days of your cycle that promote certain parts of your growth and expansion? Were you documenting it in a diary or how did you kind of work it all out? I'm glad that you just mentioned that idea of, you know, having a go at it every month. I think that's really important to recognize that this isn't something that we we do once and we get right again yes. in inverted commas <laughs> absolutely not it is it is absolutely a cycle by cycle day by day practice and for me the 
the the best way for me to, to ever understand, you know to understand anything about myself has always been journaling, and I've been journaling for a really long time, ever since I was a little girl. And it's just a practice that I find accessible and um, very helpful in understanding myself. And so naturally, it just then extended to my menstrual cycle. So what I do is whenever I'm doing a journal entry, I'll pop next to the date. I'll pop down the cycle, the day of my cycle, and I'll generally put in the current lunar phase as well um, because understanding um, if I have you know sort of any connection to the moon has been quite helpful too over the past few years but just by having that cycle day it's meant that I can I can really look back and look for patterns so if I'm feeling particularly um, you know say stressed around day nine then I can look back and think, well, how did I feel on day nine last cycle? And how did I feel on day nine the cycle before that? And I can flip back and have a look. And so for me, that has been really helpful. And that takes time, obviously, yeah. to be able to see those patterns. But it's just committing to, if possible, daily or at least every few days, you know, committing to a practice. And if you can do one full cycle every single day, that's really useful information down the track when you can start to compare back. So journaling your yeah, journaling your menstrual cycle, I think, is really important. I mean, there's also apps, which I really love. I use both the Clue app and the Natural Cycles app on the phone, and they've been helpful as well, particularly Clue was something I used right at the very beginning, and it's been really wonderful to just be able to quickly keep track of a few different um you know, a few different physical symptoms on their app. And for me, that's that's really been it. I know other people like to use different types of menstrual calendars, and I've got a couple of those in my ebook and on my website. Um, but I always come back to journaling personally. Yeah, that's beautiful. And I guess, I mean, you don't have to write a long journal entry, do you? It can just be how I'm feeling today, what my sleep mm-hmm. patterns were like, like really simple stuff, right? Absolutely. You know, and you can take, you can go into it just documenting how you're feeling Mm. or it can you know exactly as you just said sleep what I'm eating what I'm craving you know all of those types of things how I'm feeling towards other people or it can just become if you're already in somewhat of a journaling practice just really integrated into that because you might notice patterns that you know or a part of your life that you hadn't even realized are connected to your menstrual cycle at all you know right I mean there's there's it really dictates so much of how we experience the world. And so really integrating it into an existing journaling practice can be really illuminative. What are some of the things that have surprised you that you've noticed trending throughout your cycle each month? <laughs> so on day 24, I always watch, I always have this desire to watch romantic comedies. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> So funny. It was something I, again, realized through journaling. There's this one entry where I've, I've realized that on day 24, I seem to watch like three rom-coms in a row on Netflix. And I never really watch movies. I'm not much of a TV person. But on literally day 24 every month, I just go through this like oh, huge, so funny. This huge Netflix binge. <laughs> Um, you know what? For me, recognizing that I actually have a libido was a huge thing throughout my twenties. You know, being in relationships, it had always been a bit of an issue that I didn't couldn't match my partner's sexual drive, um, and it frustrated me because I'd always identified as quite a sexual person. I felt I felt very sexual, but my drive just never felt like I could match it, and 
after coming off the pill and then actually experiencing a natural cycle properly as an adult, as a you know grown-up woman, it was just, I mean, really life-changing, to be honest, because suddenly I, I could access my sexuality not only when I was ovulating, but also at other times of the month I recognized how it changed too. And that's been really wonderful, actually, for me to be able to really see that and accept that part of myself and really feel into it it's been so helpful and wonderful um the coffee and the alcohol thing has been interesting as well recognizing that when i'm premenstrual having coffee and alcohol is is basically just off the table because it really does affect my premenstrual symptoms and even cramping and as i'm moving into my winter i know again still just any stimulants aren't helpful um that can really bring on cramping and and more um pain too so there's lots of little yeah lots of little things like that which I've thought oh that's interesting okay I never would have thought that coffee would have anything to do with this menstrual cycle but it actually can really impact it yeah I love this I'm starting tonight because you know like (laughs) (laughs) well you kind of notice these things and you think oh I wonder if that happened last month because I always feel like rom-coms I'm with you I'm totally with you right before (laughs) my period comes like dish out those rom-coms to me but I haven't actually I haven't actually tracked it so it'd be really interesting to know but one thing I do notice is I feel a lot more creative during my bleed like I feel like I'm a better writer I feel like stuff just kind of pours out of me onto the page which is really interesting I've noticed that in the last few months that my creativity is sort of heightened or maybe I just kind of let it pour out a little bit more Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you there for sure. I find that creative energy shifts over the cycle. I mean, the cycle is inherently creative, right? It's designed to create a human and we can use that same energy to, um, yeah, to create other things. And a lot of women tell me that they feel the same when they, when they really stop and pause and let themselves rest and reflect when they're bleeding and in the few days beforehand, not only does it actually become an enjoyable experience and something that you can actually look forward to, um, but also that, yeah, create creatively there's there's these ideas and there's this pool of, um, you know, of things to, to choose from and explore and play. And it, for me, it's definitely a time I like to make art. And it's not necessarily about having an end product in mind it's it's less about making a certain thing and more just about exploring creative ideas writing because it feels really good and just getting you know letting things out and interestingly I work with the elements too for each season and the element for winter is water which is flow right I mean it's all about letting things flow and so there is this outpouring as you said like this pouring forth because it's that beautiful water element which is really lovely I love that um do you (laughs) I just tell a quick little story to people Claire and I were meant to do a podcast recording last week and I hope you don't mind I'm telling this story but Claire emailed me and said look I just it's day 20 I think it was day 26 (laughs) <laughs> it's yeah. day 26 I'm just not with it I really think we should reschedule because I just am not going to give the best interview and you know what like I totally respected that and I loved that especially because that's what we were talking about in this interview but I mean do you do you try and run your business like that like do you consciously book meetings or book interviews or book sessions with clients knowing how you're likely to feel on particular days of your cycle absolutely yes absolutely and look 
it again, the, the cycle is not always predictable, um, and neither is mine. My cycle can vary between you know 26 and sort of 31 days, so there is always some room there for things to kind of not line up. However, Yes, I I'd certainly do. I mean, I always block out the first few days of my cycle. I don't see clients in that time. But even the last couple of days, it's kind of like a five-day period where I know, oh, I'm just not going to be. So from like day 26 to say maybe day three, I really try to take that time for myself. Um, when I'm in my spring and in my summer, I'm, I'm far more extroverted and I'm quite an introverted person naturally. So if I were to host a workshop um, you know, when I'm late premenstrual or early couple of days of my cycle, it would be quite challenging. And I actually recently had, I was teaching a workshop in Paris and my cycle had been longer than expected. And so I ended up literally getting my period mid workshop, <laughs> which was just like, oh my God, this is so not how I planned this. Um, I mean, of course, I was teaching a workshop on the menstrual cycle, so it was quite funny. We could all have a bit of a giggle about it, and it was fine. And I was in a yoga studio, so I just laid myself down on some blocks and, like, took oh, some no. time out while they were doing some activities, and I was able to do that. And so that was fine. But it's it's definitely not ideal either. I would I really try to avoid that happening again. And I really want to be the best that I can be for my peeps and for my clients. So I do, yeah, I structure projects around it. When I launch, I mean, I would never dream of releasing a program when I'm premenstrual because I'm more sensitive and I you know I, I just do not want that added stress again at that time stress does not work for me when I'm premenstrual so I would absolutely plan something like that say when I'm in spring or summer when I've got that hormonal support to really be able to to put myself out there like that and in that way so absolutely yeah my business is very much structured around my cycle it makes so much sense. What advice do you have for people who perhaps don't run their own business and do have to go into the office every day or maybe mums with little kids running around where they don't really get to switch off? What are some ways that people can sort of still respect those times in their cycle without having to sort of retreat completely? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that there are certain things that are available to us in the way that we how we approach our jobs. So perhaps that means that you go into the office and you've given yourself that morning off the gym, for example, to just do some stretching on your sheepskin on the floor. Maybe you've done a little bit of journaling or you've had a really slow, nourishing breakfast before actually leaving the house and going into the office. And then while you're there, you know, not saying yes to extra things, maybe pulling back where you where you possibly can, taking a lunch break and going outside and just being on the grass by a tree, doing some slow breathing or some meditation if possible. Um, you know, the more we can communicate where possible with people as well about what we're experiencing, I think can be helpful too. And for those with children, I mean, I do not have children, so I just take my hat off to women who do because sometimes I do think this to myself. If I had kids running around me right now and I was mm. bleeding, how would I do this? We had a great conversation about this actually in my Adore Your Cycle Facebook group just last week, and I loved hearing these mums share how they manage it. And there's some really great ideas. Um, being open about it with your children was one of the, the top things. You know, really just talking about it and explaining what's happening. That was really helpful for, to be able to just show 
their children what was happening so they could be you know, open and aware that conversation was helpful. Asking their partner for support in advance and really integrating it into their family lives. You know, this is the time when mum needs some time out. This is the time when mum might not have the energy to be to be doing all the extra school pickup. Can there be some more support at that time? pre-planning and preparing food in advance I mean I do this anyway as well but just having food in the freezer in the fridge ready to go hiring a cleaner was another one that came up too for that week so that that wasn't something that needed to be done or extra around the house um so a lot of this is about conversations about being open and talking about it as a family and and um being not only prepared to ask for help but also to receive it as well and not continue to try to do everything but to actually really receive some support um and give yourself that yeah give yourself that space and time so I think that there are things available to us even if we don't have the option to necessarily take an entire day off work even just five minutes you know in the morning or in the evening to just sit with yourself rub your belly take a few deep breaths honor yourself as, as the woman that you are um before going back out into the world yeah that's beautiful I think that's great advice um now I have a particular fascination with the moon what can you tell us about the connection between the moon and our menstrual cycles Mm-hmm. This is very juicy, this one. Um, it's so fascinating to me that the moon's cycle and the menstrual cycle essentially completely mirror each other. So I just ran you through the seasons before. If we were to then line that up with the lunar phases, we would say that winter is representative of the new, the new moon, dark time, time for reflection. Um, we then have that waxing energy as we move through spring and the first quarter moon that then mirrors the full moon, which is really that summer ovulation, right? I mean, it's this really fertile time. Everyone's out and about. It's the same kind of feeling we get for summer is that full moon. Then as the moon then and wanes back down again through the last quarter. It's again reflective of the autumn premenstrual time as we move back down again to the new moon. It's same amount of time, twenty-eight to sort of twenty-nine days. It's pretty. It's pretty wonderful, really, that we have this really lovely mirror in the moon of of how our cycle feels. A lot of women tell me that they do bleed at either a new moon. Or at a full moon, I've always bled at a full moon. There was actually, since coming off the pill, there was a short period where I was bleeding at the new moon and I've definitely darted in between them as I've been travelling. That tends to, to change things. But when I'm settled in a place, I find that I, sh- I generally switch back to to bleeding around the full moon. However, I'm really not that interested in encouraging anyone to think that there's something wrong with them if they're not bleeding with the moon in that sense either a new moon or a full moon and I get I just think we're so critical of ourselves and the last thing we want as we sort of start to embrace these different ways of living is to sort of switch back into that old that same mindset you know of the as we were talking about earlier you know obsession with bodies and counting things and measuring and judging that's not what we want to be doing so I find it actually quite interesting to start to track the moon as I said I I track the lunar phases alongside my cycle but to have a look and to see 
maybe you're bleeding at a at the at a first quarter moon. I mean, what does that sort of tell you? I mean, that's quite interesting to think about as well. And so I teach that a lot in the journaling courses that I teach on your menstrual cycle is to have a look and see when you're bleeding and see when you're ovulating and see what phase the moon is in. Maybe it's a gibbous moon. I mean, what does that sort of like waxing energy tell you about yourself? And starting to use it more as a creative tool or as a mirror to understand what is happening within yourself so in that sense it becomes more you know something that you can use to explore your cycle rather than trying to like to line it up and I've often have women tell me they're trying to make their cycle line up with the moon and I just (laughs) our body is so much wiser than us and so there's there's no making your cycle do anything (laughs) absolutely and you know I always say the new moon and the full moon are like the show ponies of the lunar phase cycle but every Mm. phase of that cycle is important it's just as important as the one before it or the one after it because it can't get to the next one without the you know the prior one so I love that so much the show ponies of the lunar cycle it's so yeah (laughs) (laughs) I love that so much it's so wonderful I'm I'm the same I switch between the two and then sometimes I'll hang out halfway between the two and I just think look unless you are on a strict 29 day cycle yourself you're slowly going to move away from Mm -hmm. it Mm -hmm. it's just Mm -hmm. just how it works Absolutely. And seeing these patterns is interesting too. Like, oh, when was I also bleeding at that time? What else was happening in my life then? That's interesting. Let's go back and have a look and see if there's these patterns again within yourself. And no one can, no, you know, there's no, there's no rules, you know, there really isn't any rules, but you can really use it as a, a tool to get to know yourself better and to get to know your cycle better um, and how you move with the the ebb and flow, as you were saying before, you know, the, the, these rhythms that are around us in nature, these ebb and flow that we're experiencing externally all of the time, can, making that connection between your own rhythms and the natural rhythms around you, whatever it looks like, is just so powerful and healing to me. Well, I have loved this conversation, Claire. I... Um... I hated my period growing up. I didn't like to talk about it. I was hoping it would never come every month. When I was on the pill, I would skip it. Um, And I guess in the last maybe year or so, I've really started to appreciate it. After I was the same as you, I hadn't had it for so long. And when it finally came back, I was like, oh, my God, thank God. I will never say bad (laughs) things about you ever again. (laughs) You know, and I think a lot of women kind of fall into that pattern. So it's really nice to have had a chat about it. And I guess, and it's the work that you do, let women know that it's okay to talk about it and talk about it with each other. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So if people want to find out more about you, where what should they do? Where should they go? You can visit my website at thisislifeblood.com. Um, if you just pop Claire Baker into Google, I think it will pop up as well. And over on Instagram, I am at underscore Claire Baker underscore and I'm in the practice at the moment of sharing my cycle every day most days at least on my stories and talking about you know what I'm doing every day to take care of myself and the different changes that I'm noticing and so that's quite fun um, as well but you can find my ebooks and courses on my website and um, all the juicy information over there beautiful thank you so much that was such a pleasure thank you so much for having me Jordana appreciate it Hey, 
guess what? I just started a Facebook group for this podcast. It's called The Inspire Table Podcast, and I've put the link in the show notes. I want it to be a hub where we continue the conversations we're having every week on the podcast. I want to hear your opinions on what we're talking about. And I want to hear what you want to hear more of, what you like, what you don't like, what topics you want me to discuss, what guests you want me to get on. I want to keep the conversation rolling. So I hope to see you in there. Until next week, I'm Jordana Levine, wishing you an inspirational week. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs>